What do you do when you realize that you're a woman trapped in a man's body? What do you do when you realize the man you married is a woman? In this series, we reflect on our past to discuss how we got here and explore where we can go from this point moving forward. Hi, and welcome to The Rage. My name is Jennifer Termini. And I'm Callista Termini. And today we're going to be talking more about divorce therapy. One of our patrons, David, wanted us to take a, a deeper dive into a previous episode called Divorce Therapy, and he wanted us to do more, to talk about more in depth, like how did we find our therapist? Why did we go to therapy? How many times did we go to therapy? Um, did we go individually? Did we go together? Did we go as a family? Things like that. But before we dive really into that, I wanted to say to you, Calista, that I think we should talk about a lot of the personal growth that we did leading up to our divorce therapy, because I think that made a huge difference in how we handled our separation and our conflicts. I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, I um, uh, attribute um, the, you know, what we did was we did, um, uh, I guess you would call it like personal growth seminars. People are familiar with like Tony Robbins, like that sort of motivational speaker. Uh, But really so much of that is about, you know, taking yourself on and not buying your your bullcrap anymore um, so that you get out of your own way so that you can have more of the results that you want. So, uh, you know, I personally feel that if I hadn't done that work, that I wouldn't have transitioned. I would have just stayed miserable and made your life miserable as a result. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um I just I mean I call it leadership training is one of the ways that I describe it. Not only personal growth but also kind of like leadership and training because a lot of the things that you need to do to be a leader is to be hold yourself accountable, to yeah. be honest with yourself and others, to not buy the crap, buy the bullshit, don't feed people the bullshit, you know, really own your actions. Yeah. And that's a lot of what that is. Yeah. Not, you know, again, um, getting out of your own way, uh, essentially. And, you know, talking about like, um, you know, what are some of the uncomfortable truths um, that we don't want to look at? And sort of through a number of exercises, um, being able to look at them, like I can say specifically uh, one in particular that actually happened because I did do um uh, Tony Robbins seminar, um, which was a four day event. And you go into it, um, not realizing that on the Saturday evening of the event, uh, you're actually going to be walking barefoot across 10 hot coals. Are you supposed to be giving spoilers? No, I mean, people know this. So, um, you know, but it's kind of like going into it. You're like, no, I can't really. That's not really happening. You're not really. There must be some sort of trick. No, there was no trick. Like I walked barefoot across 10 feet of hot coals and 
lived to tell about it and was fine and did it. Um, you know, whereas, and lived to put those Louboutins on your feet afterwards. Yes, yes exactly. Um, so it's about, you know, the limitations that we put on ourselves. And a lot of that is um, psychology and thinking like the imprinting that goes on about, you know, who we are and what we should be doing and and those limitations as far as what we can and can't do. So that was just an exercise. And when you've done that, when you realize, oh, my gosh, I walked 10 feet across, you know, hot, I mean, hot, hot, I mean, you know, red hot coals. Yeah. And your feet aren't burned. You're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So, again, it's that sort of like now in the trainings that we did, we didn't have to walk through hot coals, but we had to do a lot of stuff that got us out of our comfort zone. And that, again, is a lot of what it's about. I'm sorry, say that again. I talked Uh, over. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying, and that's what most of these trainings were about, getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So. When I was thinking about this topic, one thing that I wanted to, what's happening? Oh, sorry. I actually just happened to have my wristband from uh, Tony Robbins right here. That oh, you do? The, the event. So it was uh, Unleash the Power Within was the Tony okay. Robbins seminar. So free advertising, Tony. Yeah. Well, I wanted to kind of go through a little bit of the timeline because some people may think, oh, we just, you know, had problems in our marriage and we decided to go see a therapist and everything worked out fine. And it really wasn't as simple as that. And when I thought back on my life and your life's trajectory, there were things that built up to us being able to receive therapy well, because not everyone does. And I I want to, in that process of going through this timeline, I want to share that I was resistant to therapy in many instances. I was resistant to the leadership training in many instances. There were things that I did willingly and things that I did by, I was forced to, in a way, to make my marriage work. So in, in a nutshell, I just want to give a little bit of that overview so people understand that personal growth is not a one and done. It is a process and it can take a long time. It can happen quickly, but the best results come from longevity, Yeah, I believe. Yeah. So it all started when I was a 20 something and my mom told me about a, a, a group called PSI, people synergistically involved. And I wasn't sure I wanted to go. I didn't really know what it was about, but I went because my mom said, let's just do it together. That was the thing that helped me go was to have a trusted loved one go with me. So that's a good thing for people who want to dip their toe into leadership training or personal growth is go with a friend, right? Because it's scary to go by yourself. So take that excuse off your plate and grab someone and go with them. So we went and it was this thing. And I here's where I was resistant. And there was one one example that I'll give because I just think it's interesting. There was, uh, they asked us to pick people that were diametrically opposed to us, someone that we thought we had nothing in common with. I chose a petite Asian girl and she chose me, this taller, I don't know what you would call me. Maybe she thought I was a sorority. She thought I was a sorority girl. That's what it was, (laughs) which I'm not. But um, we thought we had these preconceived ideas about each other and we didn't. We were already, our walls were up. We 
didn't think we were going to like each other. And by the end of our interaction, we just thought each other was fabulous. We got to know each other. We were like, wow, boy, were we wrong about, I was wrong about you and you were wrong about me. We're so much more similar than what met the eye. So then fast forward. Oh, and I did a few more, you know, because these things, one tends to lead to two to three kind of a thing because you you build upon your successes. So I did, I think, two or three of them. And then I got to a point where I'd had enough for the time being. So I stopped and then I met you and you were struggling. Like at some point in the marriage, you were really struggling and you were like, and I was desperately wanting to help you. So that's when I was suggesting the brain scans and stuff like that, which you did without me. Um, but at that time, we were also in a, a a new business, like a multi-level marketing type business. And they happened to be doing this leadership training. They weren't t- together, but they were helping each other in a yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And you did it on your own without me. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And you had such amazing results. And you were so excited when you came out of that that uh, that journey, they call it. This was with a, a company then called Discovery. You were so excited and I got to watch you really transform into someone who wasn't <laughs> as wasn't a victim, someone who wasn't um, depressed and shy and withholding. You were so like a different person that I really started to then believe. But then it came to round two. They wanted you to come back and they wanted me to do it with you. And you said, let's do this. And I was so resistant. Do you remember? I do. Do you remember anything I said to you? I don't. (laughs) Basically, it was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. I've already done it. I know what it's all about. I've done PSI. Yeah. Don't waste my time. I do remember that you being like, I know what this is. I know all of it. Like you can't. There's nothing new for me here. And what I was afraid of was losing time. Why was I afraid of losing time? I have no idea. But for some reason, I thought this was going to be a time suck that I wasn't going to enjoy. And I was resentful of it. But in my love and desire to want to support you, I said, okay, I'll do it. Well, I fell in love with it. I just loved loved, loved, loved the process. And the process is, I'm not going to go into the details, but it's uncomfortable. It's confronting. It's exhausting. It's exhilarating. It's um, joyful. Like it really runs the gamut of emotions. And what I liked best is that I didn't know what was coming. And it was very different from PSI, similar, but different tactics. And all of the tactics were to get you thinking a different way. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that you and I did that really scared the hell out of me, but shocked me and also enlightened me, we had to stand face to face, like almost nose to nose in front of a room full of people. And we had to rate our relationship. Mm, Do you remember this? I do remember this. Yes. Why don't you share some of it? Because I'm talking a lot and I want to give you a chance. Well, Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, like, didn't we like hold our hands out or like we had to come up with the number before, like we did we write it down or something? So like, I think we held our I think we closed our eyes and held up fingers. Yes. Yeah. And in my mind, I was thinking that our relationship was better than it was. I knew it had problems, but I was a bit of my head in the sand thinking that we were better than we were. Mm -hmm. And I think 
I thought you were going to say that we were like an, an eight or a nine or something like that. And right, I don't know. You rated it an eight, didn't you? I believe I did. And didn't you come in at like a five or something like that? Like a five or a six or a seven. I know it was yeah. lower. It was lower than I thought. And yeah. I was really surprised by that. But at the same time, it was a truth bomb. It was a truth bomb that I kind of knew in my heart, in the back of my head, but I didn't want to see it. So I had my head in the sand. As enlightened as I was by all these other workshops that I'd done about self-awareness and self-acceptance and seeing the truth and seeing others for who they are and all of that and owning our shit, I still had my head in the sand. So, you know, the, my point in saying that is that people will learn things and they will make advances and then they will slide back into old behavior patterns. Sure. That's normal. Yeah. And that's why continuing emotional, spiritual growth yeah. is important. Like it's yeah. a lifelong thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the ideal practice is to, you know, always be getting out of your comfort zone, continuing to push yourself because when you get complacent, then you get lazy. And, um, you know, one of the things there's like this analogy about, you know, what's the difference between uh, the success that you have and let's say someone who you, you know, admire. And the only real difference between them and you, and this goes into one of the big things is about when we talk about leadership, you can't be a victim. So if you're pointing the finger saying, well, that person was given an education and that person had more money than me and they had a head start. And I'm not saying that those things don't exist because they absolutely do. But in terms of taking responsibility for yourself, the only difference is that the person who has that successful life it has better rituals than you do and they took action yeah well that's what rituals are so you know how do you form a ritual well you form a ritual by you know forming a habit and habits over time become routines and then when a routine becomes instead of something that I have to do and instead become something I must do, then that is a ritual. And like, well, it's also, Calista, I will say the term better said is that I get to do. Yes, absolutely. Because nobody's forcing you. And no. when you see it as a chore, it's yeah. harder to maintain. When you see it as something that you get to do, then it becomes something positive and joyful in your life. So it's tweaking that little thought process and those well, words. Exactly. And that's why I was saying, like, instead of having something, looking at it through the lens of I have to versus I get to, there's a world of difference. Because as you know, from our trainings, you know, the reality is we don't have to do anything that we don't want to do. And there's consequences for that. And yeah. As such, we choose to do, we get to do, like I get to be this amazing person that I love now. And as a result of that work, some people are just so scared to death. And of course I was at first and denied and all of that. But as a result of being my authentic self and getting to be this person, I've been able to really just learn to love and enjoy life, um, which is really ultimately what any of us want. Yeah. Another thing. And so then after we did that, then I, I think I did. So you did your journey first. Then I did my journey. 
Then we loved it so much because we were both so invested Mm -hmm. that we did a journey together. We did. So that's when what I spoke of was our leadership group together. But I had done a whole separate one without you. Right. Yes, you did. the. So there was three levels. So we did um, you did one separate. I did one and two separate and um, you did uh, one separate. I you did two separate, but I was volunteering during two. And then we did both did the journey, which was the um, whatever it was, a month long or two months long. How was it? Six weeks? It was a long time, but I really have good memories of that. Yeah. And we did that together. Oh, so we each did three, two separate and one together. Yes. And then we went back and we volunteered our time as coaches for another session, right? So that's where you get to do it without paying you're giving your time and yeah. you're helping other people move mm-hmm. through their journey, their process. And that is so rewarding too, because so rewarding. when you're helping them, you're also helping yourself. Yes. And it's a reminder to keep on your target. Yeah. So one of the things I loved is they had us write down every single goal that we wanted in every aspect of our life. And we had a timeline. And we had to complete it and there were action items and it. And then we were held accountable to those. And we had to actually show proof, photographic proof, yeah. um, evidence that it was actually completed. And yeah. I loved that accountability. And we had phone calls every morning and there was just um, and I and I was up earlier than I'd ever been. <laughs> I had to be up at like 430 every morning. Yes. And I never would have wanted to do that. But in the fact that I had committed to doing this program and I did that, I learned to appreciate different things. I heard the sound of a hooting owl every morning when it was still dark and quiet outside. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of things done because there was no distractions. And Now, while I say how much I loved all that, now, eight years later, it's been a while, maybe not that long, but it's been a while, I have slipped back into old, some old patterns, because I'm human, and that happens. I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. But I also remember a lot of the amazing tools and uh, gifts that we were given in all of those struggles and those trials that we had to do. So I think that set us up to be like the ideal clients for therapy, I think, because we were both coming from a place of yes, in a way. You you had a bit of no in you. <laughs> well, I was, I mean, because I was in resistance to yes. what we did not, we wanted different things. I wanted us yes. to stay together and work through it. And you were adamant, as you had always had been, yeah. steadfast in like, I'm not going to be married to a woman, period, end of story. Yeah. So the therapy, so like we did, how many therapy sessions do you think we did together? Four or five, maybe? I think you're right. I think it was about four or five. And most of those therapy sessions were primarily about communication and how we could communicate effectively with each other so that the other could hear and absorb and really respond in a way that was not emotional or storytelling. Yeah. Instead of going into our story, I remember the therapist kept asking, but what do you want? Yeah. How do you feel? And what do you want? 
because there was this difference between like storytelling and and the pain and going into um, the events of what happened. And then he would just be like, nope, stop. What is it that you want? And then I would say, like, for example, I want to stay married. I don't want to lose my marriage. And you were like, oh, no, I don't want that. I I'm, I do not want this will not work. And for me, a lot of it, as I recall, was about accepting that it was over. Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, you know, painful to be in that session. But I was also so grateful because this person was a non- um, judgmental, bipartisan, is bipartisan the right word where they don't, they're not well, on one side or the other? Um, you could say that. I mean, I don't think we re- typically refer to therapists as bipartisan, but you would say like a neutral, um, neutral. entity. Yes. Yes. The person was very neutral. All they wanted was to see us have success. Mm-hmm. They weren't biased towards me or you. Mm-hmm just so wonderful and really getting to the heart of things. So I loved that. And and while we only had four or five sessions, I felt like they were very powerful ones. And then separately as an individual, I went to a therapist um, two or three times and I did not enjoy that experience. I didn't feel as though it was getting anything out of it. Not the way I was when I was in the therapy with you, that felt very informative and to the point. The other one, I think I didn't give her enough time, perhaps, but not every therapist and client are going to mesh. And I just felt like where I felt like she was way far behind where I needed her to be in in as in the sense that not that she was not a, a competent person, but I think she was trying to get to know me and I wanted to cut to the chase. Like I didn't want to go through all the let's get to know each other bullshit. You know, I just even though I know that's important. I wasn't in that space to accept that. So like from a therapeutic, you know, um, mindset, the thing that I always do with my clients before really engaging in deep work is building trust and rapport with the client. Like, how am I going to like, I can't just be like, okay, so tell me about, you know, your traumatic past and like, and get into the details and expect that they're going to feel safe talking to me about it until we've developed some level of trust. Um, And that can sometimes some people um, come and they show up, you know, fairly soon. And I have clients where it's literally taken them 10, 15, you know, uh, sessions before they are really ready to um, expose themselves and be honest with themselves a lot of the time, because that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, you know, being there to many times hold up a mirror and say, I, you know, what I'm hearing is like that you were really hurt by this and that it's, you know, as a result, like it's left you feeling like you can't trust people or something for to that example. Or, you know, I have like one client, like I'm not giving anything away, but I can say like, you keep choosing bad partners for yourself because you don't value yourself and you are concerned with what people think about you. And so you don't set good boundaries, you know, and it's a lot of it is repeating the same thing because they do this consistently. And then they say, why do I have the results that I have anyway? 
So, yes, no, but I liked what you said. I was thinking to myself, if you were my therapist, I'd probably be like, yes, yes. Because what my therapist didn't realize is I'm a sharer. (laughs) I come to the party prepared. I'm like, I'm ready to let it all out. I'm going to tell you everything. And what happened was she started telling me about her story. And that's what threw me off. She was trying to relate to me. Yeah. In a way by revealing some things that happened in her personal life. And I just, I didn't like that. Was she spending a lot of time talking about herself? Um, She probably would not consider it a lot of time, but it was more time than I wanted. Yeah, because as a therapist, and I feel like I tend to share quite a bit, but a lot of the reason why I do is because most of the clients that I see, a, a majority of them are, you know, struggling with their gender identity. And that is a point of where that person and I have this shared experience that nobody else in their life has. So I'll share that for the therapeutic purpose of, you know, supporting this person and making them realize like, hey, you're not the only person who's gone through this. And you're certainly understood in this space. But in your circumstance, I find it so weird. Like, there's definitely like a a careful moderation to that because it's the therapy is about them. And if you're making it about you, and I understand like not all therapists are the same, but I'm just kind of a little surprised that they think about themselves. I want to cut her some slack. She was most likely wanting to relate to me. Yes. For whatever reason, it didn't work. I didn't like it. Um, But I understand the concept because I I do that too with people. It's just a, you, you sort of mirror the people that you're empathizing with. And um, anyway, I'm not here to disparage her. My point in saying all that is that not every therapist and client are a good fit and that's okay. You move on, you find another one. Well, Um, there's lots of clients. No, I've never had that happen. So (laughs) no, I'm kidding. No, I actually have. There've been a few that have been like, yeah, we're not, this is, I'm not the right person for you. And that is okay. So so I had a very short stint with this person. And then I don't think I wanted to go to any more individual ones. Oh, I did go. I take it back. I did go to our, uh, we had family counseling that we did. You, uh, me and our daughter. We did do some of that a little bit. Remember? Do you remember? I I don't want to say her name, but do you remember? Well, we play the games. She had like a dice game that we would we played one time, answering questions. Yeah, that was like for one session. It seems like. Yeah, but then I went and t- saw her another time by myself, okay. and then I ended up having a Zoom session with someone who replaced her. And you so I had like her. three or four. Uh, so like one with us as a group, and then um, like two or three on my own. But then then I was kind of done. Because I, I haven't felt the need to want to go back. But you, on the other hand, have seen more therapists. Um, and I actually really appreciate, as a therapist, being able to have a therapist to continue to work through. I mean, there are so many things in my life that I, you know, talk about in this show that I still am processing emotionally. 
Um, you know, and I think I've mentioned this before, like as much as I've accepted, obviously, like that uh, we've gone our separate ways and the relationship that we have now, I'm very happy about. I, if I think back to like the day that we told our daughter is like far and apart, like the most saddest day of my life. And, um, and I still like, I'm like, right now I'm emotionally like compartmentalizing that. So I don't burst into tears. And so even though everything is wonderful and we have this good relationship and I'm so happy that we have, you know, the daughter that we do, there is that part of me that still holds on to that pain. And so learning myself, learning how to let go of that pain and, you know, what is there for me? Like, why do I feel like I need to hold on to this? Um, it doesn't serve me, but yet. But you're not alone, though. I'm sure. I'm sure. But the idea is, how do I get past that from a therapeutic perspective? Um it isn't just about rationalizing what happened. I can rationalize it, no problem. Yeah. The issue is emotionally, the sadness that I hold on to is a choice. And so, why do I, if things like if our relationship is better now, if I am this person who is so much more fully realized and happy in their life? Um, and our daughter continues to, you know, grow and thrive, then why am I attached to that sadness? And that has so much more to do with how I grew up and what was modeled for me and uh, what felt comfortable for me. Because, you know, going back to the very first day of the discovery trainings that I did and the very first day that I was there, it was, I think, I think it was exactly a hundred people in the room and mm -hmm. the trainer shows up, waits for everybody to be quiet, sort of sets the tone, sets like I'm in control and then asks the question of us, the group, why are you here? And I refer to myself sometimes as the Hermione Granger in the group because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, uh, so the trainer, she goes and she says, okay, well, come on stage and say why you're here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the answer that I gave was because I don't know how to be happy. And I think about that because I felt that for so much of my life, happiness was this um, fleeting thing. And I never experienced true joy. Like, I really don't remember ever experiencing true joy. And, um, you know, I wish I knew what year that was. I could probably find out. But it was a lot of years after that, because even once you finish the program, you still like putting these things into practice. And the time that it takes for you to put those things into practice and evolve and make them a part of your, you know, your behavior and your, you know, your routines and your rituals takes time. It doesn't happen yeah. overnight. So, you know, as I see myself now, the person that I am now, I, you know, I feel so much joy and I am such a happy person. And 
that for me is more of the default state that I have. And it's such, for me, such an incredible blessing after so many years of, as you know, just feeling so sad. But the my point in all of this is that is the behavior that was modeled and was instilled in me from a very young age. So it doesn't just go away. Well, and I will say one of the things that our program taught us was what's the payoff? Absolutely. What's the payoff for being miserable? Yes. You're choosing to be miserable. I'm using that kind of big word, but like you're choosing to be sad. You were choosing to be miserable. Why? There's a payoff there. And the payoff is what? Attention or you're right because you get to feel sorry for yourself. You know what I mean? So like, I love the thought of, we have to be accountable for our thoughts and actions. And there's always a payoff, whether it's yeah. positive or negative. Well, and I can tell you, I actually know what the payoff was. Um, the payoff was that I didn't have to step up. I didn't have to um, be the courageous person that um, I didn't have to transition. I didn't have to do all of those things. I could stay small and quiet and hidden and in fear. And so you know, I was living my life from a fear-based, uh, you know, existence, fear of not having enough money, no matter what, there was never enough money, fear of loss, fear of scarcity. Um, and that was... Uh, fear of rejection, fear yes. of failure. Yes. And so all of those things, um, you know, uh, sadness was you know enabled but when i let go of my sadness and started to you know recognize like i can't be that person i have to like okay like i think i've used the analogy of you know sometimes we look at somebody and we say oh my god they're such a wreck and i think of like like a like a haunted house almost like this house in disarray and so my analogy has been like, I had to go through every room in a house mm-hmm. and, you know, get rid of the skeletons in the closet, you know, dig out the bodies that were buried in the basement, fix all the broken windows, you know, you know, tear down the wallpaper, all of that, you know, all of the baggage and boxes of crap that I had been holding onto my life and starting to let go of those things and say, I don't need this anymore. And when I started to clear out all of the junk and started to see like, okay, I'm, this, this place is really starting to take shape. Then it was like, well, what am I going to do about that big pink elephant in the four inch stilettos in the hallway under the chandelier? Yeah. You know, and it was like I was left like I couldn't hide it. I couldn't bury it. I couldn't deny it anymore. Also, the analogy of cleaning the house and making it better. It's like when you leave it a mess, that's a victim state of mind. When you take charge and you clean up whatever it is, you know, literally or figuratively, then you become a leader and you become courageous and you become um, a doer. 
And then when you clear all that space, then you can start to be hopeful because you can start to see something different than what was there before. And in your case, you uncovered the elephant in the room. And that was for you to then your next leap uh, to to deal with. Uh, For me, uncovering a lot of my behavior patterns and my reasons for why I do things and um, has been liberating and challenging because I keep seeing myself slide back into old. Mm -hmm. I have sadness too, when it comes to family members and things that I feel haven't worked out as well as I would have hoped, but it's a choice that I can make to either wallow and stay in that pain or move out of it. But like you said, the head and the body and the heart aren't connected. Always the head can say, yes, of course, so-and-so loves you and you have a, you know, your relationship's not perfect, but it's going to be okay. And there's all this stuff in my head that it's like, let it go. But my heart does not feel that way. My heart has like little things in its ears saying, I don't want to hear you. I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to bleed out. I'm going to pound and palpitate and have anxiety. Yes. Just cause. And it's like, that's really hard for me to reconcile. And when people say to me, well, just let it go. Right. That is so well, hard. Well, it do. isn't it isn't just because. It's for one of two reasons. It's either because you want to be right about something or you want to look good. And so, you know, looking good doesn't actually always mean like, hey, look at me. Like a lot of times what it means is I am, you know, playing the victim because I want people to, you know, have empathy for me. And so that can be what looking good looks like a lot of the time. So um, but it's like always that whole thing. I want to look good or I want to be right. Um, Well, for me, it's more about expectations. And my example is not about you, by the way. My example is about a family member where I keep having expectations. Okay. I keep having expectations that this family member is going to be different, that this family member is going to be, um, is going to see me and hear me and accept me and love me. And quite to the contrary, that never happens or it doesn't happen in the way I'm expecting it to. And that's where I have to shift my mind because my family member does love me. I know intellectually they do. But do I feel it in my heart? No, because the actions don't support that. The actions, what I expect, what I expect love to look like and support is is verbal and is physical. It is words like saying, I'm proud of you. I love you. A hug. Mm -hmm. You know, do you need any help? What can I do for you? And I get the opposite of that with this family member. I get this, you know, um, you're doing things wrong kind of a thing and I I don't expect I actually I do expect it but I don't want it and I keep thinking and hoping that that it's going to shift and I don't think it ever will so that's why I hold on to this yeah because they they don't know how to do anything differently you know yeah they don't understand they don't have the capacity to understand that like hey listen the tough love state tough love stage is over you know like yeah, just mm-hmm. throw some support my way mm-hmm. and I will be, I mean, it doesn't take much with me, especially <laughs> with this particular family member. Just throw me a little, a little yeah. love and I will just bloom like yeah. the biggest flower you've ever seen because I crave it so desperately. I know. And I really do hope that, you know, and I will say like that 
you know, as you're saying that as, 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 a, as a therapist, I would, you know, encourage you to go to therapy about this because, you know, my, my wish for you is that you someday can, you know, you have closure on this, especially before this person, you know, before they're no longer here and you feel. How, I Sorry to interrupt, but I just don't feel like I will ever get closure because I am so, I'm so fixed. And that's my problem. I'm so fixed on wanting that person to change yes. and that person will never change. Right. And so I'm just stuck and I don't, you're probably right. But again, I'm being resistant to going back to therapy. So anybody who feels resistance with therapy, yeah, um, I feel you. I get it. But I also know intellectually, I know that it does help if you find the right person. It really does help. And I'm living proof of that with uh, our discovery work. And so, yeah, I guess I just have to get out of my fixed position and just yeah. um, do it. And I would just I would encourage you to do that while there's still time, because then once they are no longer here, then it's almost like that opportunity to, you know, maybe have a, a healthy communication with them um, is gone. So, yeah. you know, and I will just say, like with my mom, who's not the easiest person in the world, as we know, um, I've had I to stop saying that because I, it hurts my heart when you say that. I just feel like. It's hard to hear. I'm sorry, but, you know, she is my mother and um, and there are things there that um, I've had to learn to just accept so that I can have a healthy relationship. She's not an easy person. I mean, she can choose to be a lovely person at times, but sometimes she can be an awful person, too. And so I'm sorry, but that's, you know, um, All right, that's your experience. I'll let you have that. It just. It hurts my heart for her because I think if she sees this, it would really hurt her. Well, it wouldn't change her. Let's just put it that way. And so many of, you know, and again, we're not going to make this about my experience with her. I do. I love her very much, but I love her for who she is. I've stopped wishing that she was somebody else. And that means accepting Um that there are things that I just don't like about her. And that's okay. You know, she's my mom, she's family. And I've had to do a lot of reconciliation in order to be at peace with that because she's someone who won't be around for too much longer. I mean, you know, as much as I hate to say it, there's like indications that, you know, time is running out. And I, as much as I hate that, I want to be able to love her as much as I can with the time that I have. And so a lot. And so what that means is I just accept you for who you are, not who I wish you were. Understood. Yeah. Um, we should wrap up. But before we do that, you know, I thought it would be really interesting I've thought about this and certainly with COVID, um, we haven't, I haven't been able to, and there haven't been like the in-person trainings like we've had before. Um, but gosh, I thought it'd be so interesting to go through the trainings again, uh, being my authentic self. Oh um, yeah. And you know, I forgot you did a whole nother training with Spectrum. Yes. Where I, 
Yeah, where I did, I volunteered, I did volunteer work. Um, and then I coached again. Um, and then I did a mastery course with them. And, uh, and it was wonderful. And I really, really enjoyed it quite a bit. And so again, it's something where I got and then, you know, and I've done, you know, the Tony Robbins seminar too. And you know, the thing is, it's like you only get out of it what you put into these things. Yes. So, you know, for me, I I love being able to grow as a human being. And it has created an opportunity for me to really just, I don't know, like to recognize you are not a caterpillar, you know. Um, and I used to just crawl along the ground being like, I'm a caterpillar, I'm a caterpillar. And realize, no, no, butterfly. no, you can transition and you can learn to fly. And that's exactly how I do feel these days. Yeah, I think I should probably, since we've mentioned these groups names, I, I should probably mention that they've since they've changed their names. So Discovery is now LifeWorks Training. Uh-huh. And Spectrum is now called Discovery, right? Yes, yes exactly. Yes. But they're both fabulous organizations. I highly recommend them. Yep. I got so much out of it. We got so much out of it. I've made lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. I have new habits and new rituals that I still do, even though I've slipped back on some. Mm-hmm. I have maintained more than I've lost. Yes. And I value that. And so much of it is just part of my life that I don't even think of it as um, something that I have to do. It's just I just automatically do it. One of the things I do forget to do sometimes and I I think about it and then I get back on the horse is where we came up with like contracts for ourselves, like who we mm-hmm. wanted to be and who we are, what we think of ourselves or yes. how we want to be perceived by the world. Yes. And you know, I'm a confident, beautiful, successful leader. So yeah. sometimes when I, I don't say that every day anymore, I used to, and now I think I need to get back into it and maybe I'll add one or two more adjectives. I don't know. I got to think about it, but it does set your intentions for the day when you say that to yeah. yourself and you look in the mirror and you say, I'm going to have a great day today. I'm yes. going to be very productive. I'm going to smile at everyone I see. I'm going to have fun today. Yes. It really does come true. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Setting your intention, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's you know, amazing being, how powerful it is. Yeah. And like being grateful, you know, like people say, you have to have an attitude of gratitude. It's not about an attitude, it's a practice. You have to practice gratitude. And when you do that, when you focus on, you know, gratitude and joy and abundance, then guess what? You have more gratitude, joy, and abundance. When you focus yeah, because on fear, scarcity, and loss, you have more fear, scarcity, and loss. And I'm living proof of that. We really are our thoughts because our thoughts inform our subconscious and our subconscious is running the show most of the time. There's a lot more that goes on with our subconscious than our conscious. I I think that's right, isn't it? Like, there's so much input that goes into our subconscious that affects us. Oh, absolutely. Behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, without getting into the whole, like, neurobiology side of things, essentially, we are programming. And we write lines of code. And if we find a line of code that works, we put it in there and then we move on to the next line of code. And so we're constantly revising the program. But some of those codes are like so fundamental. They're like so buried in there that to change that code, 
takes a lot of work. Um, and, and that's why the repetition of the positive things every day starts to rewrite the negative code yes. of I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not yes. smart enough. It's like, no, I'm a beautiful, confident, successful leader. So any of that negative code that says you're ugly, you're yes. a follower, you're, you know, yeah. you're not, you're insecure. Like yeah. it gets overwritten. Yeah. The new code. Yeah. And then my shoulders are back. My head is a little higher. I'm more confident. I'm kinder to people. And it's just a positive flow yeah. that comes from that kind of everyday yeah. practice. So in fact, you know, my contract that I had when I went through that program was, you know, you say your name and I am a happy, present and courageous leader. That was what mine was. And, you know, you're choosing the things that you want you know, more, and there was a whole process of figuring these things out. It isn't like, oh, I'm just going to pick four things. You right. Know, oh really, yeah. You really had to dive, dive into yourself and find out yeah. what areas do you get hung up on? I didn't feel very beautiful when I had to come up exactly. with that contract. I felt less than, so I was yeah. like, I want to feel beautiful. Yes. And so, I, and I wasn't, I wasn't happy and I wasn't courageous and I wasn't present and I wasn't a leader and so when I transitioned um, and started living this much more um, authentic and full existence, I realized, did it take courage? Absolutely. Um, am I present? So much more present and focused on now. Um, am I happy? Hell yeah, I'm happy. Am I a leader? Yes, I'm absolutely a leader. And yeah. so it was like, okay, I've accomplished all of those things. So I had to write a new contract for myself. Oh. So I've done that. Um you know, but I, like you, I don't really put it into practice and it hasn't been vetted, so to speak, through, uh, you know, through a training. But, you know, focusing on, um, like, you know, I'm Callista, I'm a healthy, lovable, vulnerable, teachable woman. Um, those are the, those are the things that I strive to be now. Um, you know, what's interesting about that is your previous self was very positioned and fixed. Yes. Very. So when you, when I'm hearing the able words, teachable, you know, that kind of stuff that tells me that you no longer want to be fixed and positioned in who you are. And that that's a beautiful thing. That is precisely true. I don't, I, I love, you know, being open. Like again, vulnerability is such a, 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 key thing for me in my continued evolution because that vulnerability um, enables me to have so much empathy and love and compassion for other people and especially for myself which has just been I mean again it's like ah oh god it's just um it's it's so wonderful to to like I do I sometimes Jennifer I just I do. I like go to sleep at night and I just say, wow, I just, I can't believe I get to be me. And it's sometimes it's so shocking. Um, There's a lot of strength and courage in vulnerability. Yeah. Some people exactly. think it's a weakness, but it's actually a strength to reveal this vulnerable side of yourself and still be able to stand on your two feet and face the world, even though you're sharing 
people love it. They love it when other people share things. It makes them feel comfortable and then they want to share. And then two people are bonding and connecting, not to tear each other apart, but to understand each other and lift each other up. And it's just a a great thing. Yeah. And that's like with work and just with my... um, with people, my friendships and my family, I really am about, you know, contribution and love and connection. Those are the things that I are are my priorities in life now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, well done, Calista. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the validation. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that that pretty much covers uh, sort of our arc of yeah. that our our therapy hasn't been just a handful of things. It's been a lot of like the leadership groups and there's been years of that on and off. And I think that really set the stage for us to be able to what? Gosh, it would be so funny for us to go through a training together now. (laughs) Yeah, that would be interesting. I think it'd be interesting to have our daughter do it. I do too. I do too. She would get a lot out of it because you find a lot of clarity in who you are and who you want to be. And you get rid of a lot of fear and a lot of like, I used to think like I couldn't sing. Well, that's been debunked. I used to think that I couldn't be in public in a, a bikini with white skin or bra and underwear with white skin and I and dance in front of people and I proved that wrong. Yeah. And there's just so many things that I was proven, I proved to myself that I was wrong about myself. So I think it'd be really great for a young person who's looking to find who they are and what their life is going to look like. What ro- what roads are they going to go down to kind of go through a program like that? I agree. Um, so let's, let's wrap up here and then let's talk about that and something maybe we can figure out for her. Um, but I think here's a good place to say thank you everyone for uh, tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you liked what you saw, please hit that subscribe button below. Yeah, like and share and send us your comments and join us on Patreon. We would appreciate it if you want to help support this channel. Um, We would be forever grateful. Yes. And thank you for our current patrons. And we'll see you next time. Thank you much for joining us. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into The Rage. If you haven't done so already, please hit the like, share and subscribe button now. We truly appreciate all your wonderful support. Find us on social media at The Rage Episodes and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Want to get more involved? Join us on Patreon. Supporters receive extra benefits as well as access to member-only content. Thanks again and have a beautiful day.